Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. What is the media hiding 17 years after 9-11? Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist, and your terrorist therapist. Well, today we're gonna to be looking at what really has been happening in the 17 years post 9-11. But first, let me ask you, how did you memorialize this past 9-11? Did you, was it just a, a day like any other day? Were you vaguely aware that there were uh, were uh, ceremonies going on at Ground Zero and perhaps some other places where you live? Um, did you light a candle? Did you go to your house of worship? Did you talk to your kids about 9-11? Um, did you lose someone in 9-11? Was it particularly personal to you? Or did you feel like you couldn't wait until the day was over? 9-11 uh, brings up all kinds of troubling feelings. Um, sadness, of course, anger, fear, um, a whole mixture of feelings that we don't really want to feel, we don't want to be reminded of. And yet, at the same time, just as the slogan says, never forget, um, we can't forget not only the people who died during that day, but also what caused it, what it's about, and why we still have to be vigilant, wary. And that's essentially what the media has been hiding, as I'm gonna go into in more detail today. Um, the fact that the terror threat is not gone, and in some ways is more alive than ever. Now, before I get into that, though, I want to um, point out that there were fewer events, fewer formal recognitions, memorials for 9-11 this year than ever before. It has been following the trend uh, about how there were fewer and fewer acknowledgements, formal acknowledgements, um, civil acknowledgements, you know, events happening in, in, in people's towns all over America. And yes, of course, at Ground Zero and in Washington, D.C. And this year at Shanksville, where the president gave an address. Um, there were those, but uh, in, in typical other towns, um, and even in New York, and even in Los Angeles, um, yes, I know there was a terror attack in Los Angeles, except for San Bernardino, which is close. But um, there really is kind of a, a collusion, in a sense, um, of everyone wanting, wanting to forget. Instead of never forget, let's forget. And that, uh, as I talked about a little bit in my last podcast, that is very worrying. Now, one of the things about this 9-11 that I noticed that was incredibly disturbing to me. I wonder if you noticed this. First of all, I hope you at least watched if you weren't in New York or Washington DC, at the Pentagon or in Pennsylvania. I hope you at least spent some time watching 
the reading of the names at ground zero. Um, you know, that, I, I cried again seeing the people because their emotion is so raw when they talked about their father or their uncle or the fire, uh, you know, their uncle, the firefighter, or their father who um, worked at one of the offices there, or women who either worked in the Twin Towers or um, were there for some reason. Uh, the, the, it's particularly, it was particularly sad to watch children talking about, children talking about fathers who they never met, for example. Anyhow, these were incredibly, as they are every year, incredibly touching tributes to people who they lost, the person who was reading, first of all, reading um, a section of names and then talking about their own loved one who was lost. So incredibly raw um, that it really, it really reminds you of what that day was like. Now, as I was starting to say, what was so troubling about that, given this raw emotion, given all these feelings, given how these people talking at the podiums at Ground Zero made us really remember that day. Um, there were pedestrians walking by. There were pedestrians in the background of these people on the podium um, walking by as though, uh, as though they were just going about their business. They happened to be, you know, near Ground Zero and, well, whatever, uh, going to work or going to going shopping, going to whatever they were doing. Um, and, and just, it was sort of a visual of what the problem is with forgetting, with recognizing, with being in denial and not wanting to feel all these feelings again. And so now let me tell you why, why that is so important. Again, of course, because we, we don't want these people to have died in vain and we, you know, we miss these people who were just, uh, did not do anything to deserve being killed that day, 9-11-2001. So let me tell you about what the FBI director, Christopher Wray, has to say about how safe we are 17 years later. Um, he is saying that the terror threat has spread across the country and is being propelled by social media. Quote, people think of the 9-11 threat. They think New York, they think DC. Today's terrorism threat is everywhere. It's not just big cities. Um, today's threat comes not just from Al-Qaeda, but from other global terror groups, sleeper cells, and, quote, homegrown violent extremists, which are people who are largely here already in the United States, big cities, small towns, coast to coast. Now, an example of this uh, is something that I have talked about in a few, a few podcasts ago about the family in um, New Mexico, the man and two men and three women and 11 kids who they were training. They had set up a terrorist training camp and they were training the kids to become school shooters, terrorists, but as school shooters. So that's just an example of how, um, you know, to underline what he's saying, how terrorism is not just in New York City, um, or other big cities, but it's all over the place, even in the, the deserts of uh, New Mexico, 
where, of course, they were planning to go out from there and commit attacks. He talks about how many of them become radicalized online. We know that. He says, he said, quote, I mean, terrorism today moves at the speed, at the speed of social media. The part of it is engaging with social media companies in a way to try to get them to do certain things they can do voluntarily. So he talked about some of the attacks that the FBI has thwarted in the past year that we really didn't get to hear much about, which is kind of my point. Um, my over, the overall theme of the day is how the media is hiding just uh, how serious and how powerful uh, and the threat continues to be. So he said the FBI, just in this past year or so, thwarted potential attacks at a pier in San Francisco, a shopping mall in Miami, a 4th of July celebration in Cleveland, a female college student recruiting classmates to join Al-Qaeda in Minnesota. Now, which of these have you heard about? Any of them? I did do a podcast on the 4th of July uh, man who was trying, planning a, uh, an attack in Cleveland. But um, did you hear of any of the others? He said that his FBI agency made about 120 terrorism-related arrests in the last year. Have you heard about all of those? Any of those? He said, quote, we had about a thousand investigations into just these homegrown violent extremists. That's out of about 5,000 terrorism investigations. He said the joint, now listen to these figures. These are just mind-blowing. The Joint Terrorism Task Force, which includes the FBI and other federal, state, and local agencies, receives about 15,000 tips a year, which comes down to 40 tips a day or two tips an hour. So <laughs> while we'll be talking today, which will be for a half an hour podcast approximately, there will have been at least one tip going into the Joint Terrorism Task Force. Now, he's saying that, you know, the task force is uh, better positioned now because of getting all these tips, because of having all these investigations and so on, but there only needs to be one uh, attack that is not thwarted and many lives will be killed. Fortunately, I, I applaud FBI Director Christopher Wray for talking about these things on 9-11. At least that came out then. But then what happens? We, again, you know, when we, when the year is going by and we're not hearing about any of these arrests or thwarted plots or any of these things, we are back to thinking these things aren't happening. So that was the FBI. Now let me tell you about the 9-11 Commission who has been talking on the anniversary of September 11th that just passed. They are saying that um, the 9-11 Commission recommended three core goals after 9-11. And that was, one, to attack terrorists and their organizations. Two, to protect against and prepare for attacks. And three, to prevent the continued growth of Islamist terrorism. So the first two they have been working on, <laughs> um, you know, they've been certainly um, ISIS's land 
it has been um, curtailed somewhat, has been taken back somewhat. Um, there are efforts to protect against and prepare for attacks. We've, you know, according to the FBI, they, we just heard about the tips and so on. But very little headway has been made into preventing the continued growth of Islamist terrorism. And that's the problem. So this commission, the 9-11 Commission, says that since the original September 11th attacks, terrorism has grown and spread. There were 10,900 terrorist attacks worldwide in 2017, which is more than five times the number in 2001. So when 9-11 happened, since 9-11 happened in 2001, there are five times more terrorist attacks worldwide. Um, that, that is a very um, worrisome, you know, again, I don't tell you these things to make you go hide under your covers, but I do want to bring some sense of reality and really to encourage you to become more resilient, uh, psychologically and physically. Now, um, an example of just one kind of uh, attack, I mean, you know, there hasn't been another large-scale 9-11 attack, not to say that there can't be one like that, but even a smaller-scale attack can be incredibly de deadly. Now, for example, this past June in Cologne, Germany, there were biochemical experts who wore protective suits and they seized 84 milligrams of ricin from a Tunisian man who was communicating with the Islamic State on Telegram, which is one of the things that they like to use to communicate undercover. Uh, this Tunisian man is thought to be the first jihadist in the West to produce this highly toxic biological agent, but of course he may not be the last. And to put this in perspective, um, a dose of ricin the size of a grain of salt can kill an adult. So how many grains of salt <laughs> are in 84 milligrams? Lots. Um, just to give you some other kinds of figures, putting all of this into context, there are, the, these violent extremist groups have gained footholds in 19 countries, mostly in the Middle East and in Africa, uh, because they target fragile states where there's poor government and where there are lots of segments of society who are disaffected and susceptible to being um, persuaded to join the terrorists. Now, of course, it's interesting, you know, you can kind of see how that might be the case in the Middle East and in Africa, but um, there are a lot of people in America who feel disenfranchised and uh, angry and who are susceptible to the propaganda, especially over the internet, of terrorists. So it's not just in places like the Middle East and Africa. Um, 
these people are, are um, getting fresh recruits every day and they are not necessarily um, staying in these states that they are in. It is not to just create more terror attacks in those countries, um, but all over the world. And in fact, it has been found that uh, because the United States has been able to take back some territory from ISIS, that ISIS has been concentrating on recruiting people in various countries and not necessarily uh, calling them to create attacks in the Middle East, um, but, but to become soldiers going out to the West. They may go to the Middle East to get training, but then they're <laughs> every day right now, uh, there are these soldiers of ISIS after they're being trained, uh, traveling to all kinds of countries. Of course, you know about Western Europe, and of course that problem is, uh, is really, it really seems like it's out of control because of all the refugees that they're taking, taking in. And of course, there are studies about how many children the refugees are having, the migrants are having, compared to the number of children people in European countries are having. So it doesn't take a, um, a brain surgeon to figure out that the Europeans are gradually becoming outnumbered, which means that it's going to become easier and easier for ISIS Al-Qaeda, uh, other radical extremists, to take over. So um, ISIS originally uh, rose in 2014. And um, there are, you know, it's interesting, there are various ways of looking at statistics. So um, in, in 2018, you know, they're trying to say that, um, uh, that the attacks in 2018, I mean, we're, I guess we're, we're nine months into, or, you know, almost nine months into it. Um, there, there are some statistics that say that we have had fewer attacks in 2018, uh, or that the West has had fewer attacks in 2018 than in the previous four years. But here's the caveat. The number of attempted attacks remained steady. So in other words, they are still as committed as ever to carrying out uh, catastrophes, attacks, but law enforcement has been getting better at foiling the plots. But again, um, it only takes one to get through and it doesn't have to be as well planned or as complicated as 9-11. Now, um, the numbers are still going up in, you know, 2018 seems, I don't think we should exhale yet in, for 2018, because in 2015, uh, the Islamic State carried out 14 successful attacks in Europe and North America. Then that increased to 22 attacks in 2016 and 27 attacks in 2017. And so far this year, there have been only four. But again, we should not breathe a sigh of relief. Um, the, the number of people killed in each attack or in, in any single attack has fallen. 
uh, starting with 130 in 2015, that was the Paris attack. Then um, it fell to 86 in 2016. Then there were, in 2017, there were 22, which was the um, Ariana Grande concert. Now again, these aren't, this is not all the attacks or all the people who were uh, killed. These are just the, the biggest number in a particular year in one attack of that year. So um, in, in 2018, as far as the worst single day toll, that was in a supermarket in Trebes, Trebes France. Um, where there was a man acting in the name of ISIS who gunned down three people, and that was in March. Did you hear about that? Um, so much of this is going on every day, and we are not hearing about it. Whatever way you want to look at these statistics, um, there we need to be, bottom line, we need to be hearing more about these things. Again, not so that we hide under our covers, but so that we prepare ourselves. I always talk about it being like a marathon where we prepare ourselves um, more physically and psychologically. Psychologically, to do things every day to decrease our stress, and physically, to make sure that we're in as good physical shape as we can be in, not only by going to doctors to cure whatever it is, um, whatever problems that we have, physical problems that we have, but also uh, going, doing more to, to make ourselves healthy from taking vitamins to getting enough sleep, to going to the gym or getting exercise some other way. Um, and, you know, again, like as if we were in a marathon. Just to give you another example of, um, of the fact that terrorists are not giving up, um, there was just recently, there was in, um, you know, these are stories that we should be hearing, okay? Uh, there was a man called Alagi Torre. He's a 21-year-old Gambian man who washed up on Italy's shore last year. They gave him a room in a refugee center. They gave him $90 from the Italian government. With that, he bought a new Samsung phone and installed the Telegram app. And then uh, at a table in the refugee center's lunchroom, he recorded and uploaded a video pledge of allegiance to the Islamic State leader, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. Then he sent the video to an Islamic State handler in Libya who told him to get a car and use it to drive into people. Now, fortunately, uh, the Italian authorities received a tip about this and they homed in on the refugee center and they matched the furnishings in the cafeteria with the background in the video. And they found Mr. Torre. They spent several days following him to try to figure out if he was doing this alone or part of uh, a group. And then he, um, 10 days after he recorded the video, he was arrested while he was leaving a mosque. Now, when he was questioned, he insisted that the pledge was a joke and that he didn't even know how to drive. But, dun, 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 investigators found a WhatsApp message that he sent to a friend in Gambia just two days after he had uploaded his oath. And this is what the message said. Don't forget to pray for me. I'm on a mission.
So he was, whenever he told the investigators that it was just a joke, he didn't know how to drive, he was planning uh, to carry out this attack on a mission. So the, the moral of the story is um, that we need to insist upon being told these things just so that we don't walk past people uh, at ground zero for the next 9-11 anniversary and that we realize what a solemn occasion this is, how much respect we need to give to them and to this whole um, issue, this whole ongoing threat that we're under and how we can't forget history or it will repeat itself. Again, I'm not trying to uh, tell you there's a therapist at your door, exactly, but I am trying to break through your denial. And particularly, you know, it's very hard if parents or teachers or other grown-ups are in denial, it's very hard to understand why you need to talk to your kids about it. But it's really bad. I was so, so upset by watching um, the 9-11 ceremony at Ground Zero with the people giving their heartfelt messages about their loved ones who they lost and reading the names of the approximately 3,000 people who died on 9-11. And um, seeing other people, it was, it was almost, it was like, it was surreal to see other people in the background walking past as if, as if, you know, this was just somebody on the corner, uh, you know, how like crazy people on the corner will um, get into religious rants or something, or like, or like somebody on the corner asking for money. I mean, it was just, it was just so disconnected. The people passing by, sometimes giving a look at the people who were talking, but then just passing by as if it was any old day or even more as if, well, I don't want to, I don't want to stay for this. I don't want to, I don't want to remember this. And that is very troubling and it should be to you too. Um, and if you didn't see it, if you didn't watch any of the um, reciting of the names of the victims uh, by their family members and, and the heroes, the people, the, the first responders, all of these firefighters who came in and the police who came in and all these different first responders as well, not just people who were in the Twin Towers. Um, but if you, if you haven't, didn't watch that on 9-11, please, you can find things on the internet and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. And that's why I was moved today to talk about to you what the media has not been telling us. Because if you just, um, you know, listen to the news on television or on the radio or on the internet or uh, in newspapers, um, you would not get the picture. And in fact, I was staggered by these, by these um, statistics that I've been reading to you. Uh, for example, that every hour there are two tips about terrorism given to uh, the counterterrorism governmental organization and all of these thousands of terrorists who and all of these plots that have been foiled that I that I just mentioned that I'm sure you probably haven't heard except for maybe the one that I talked about about July 4th. Um, so we should be hearing about this because if we're not, then we're not aware of 
how we are still under a serious threat. You know, we're also lulled into thinking that uh, there is no more problem because, because we did, the United States did capture, recapture a lot of land from ISIS in the Middle East. And so that lulls us into thinking, ah, eh, ISIS is dead. We never heard of it. We, have, we don't hear from Al Qaeda these days. Ah, eh, what do we have to worry about? Well, <laughs> um, they, are, they are recruiting every day. They are recruiting thousands. And in fact, um, there are statistics how there are tens of thousands of um, ISIS recruits in the Middle, Middle East, even with what we did to take away the land. <laughs> that, you know, they're just in, smaller, in a smaller space. So, um, so we can't, you know, not just, um, I, 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 you know, one thing, of course, is that we have to become more resilient, more psychologically resilient, doing things every day to decrease our stress level, you know, all the things you've heard about, meditation and, uh, um, you know, uh, aromatherapy candles, and there's a whole list of things, and um, I've written about these things and talk about these things. And, and you, you probably have heard about some of these things, at least, uh, you know, in magazines or just on the internet, wherever. But, but how many of you actually do it? We're all so busy. Um, do you really have time to go out and buy an aromatherapy candle? Do you think about that? Well, my point is that you do need to think about these kinds of things. Also having um, plants and flowers surrounding you in your home or at your desk at work. Um, all of these different little uh, anti-stress tips, um, things that you can do. And instead of just thinking, ah, you know, well, I don't have time to do all this stuff. We do have to do these things because even though consciously you may not be thinking about these things, unconsciously you are. And it is having an impact not only on your psyche, taking away the energy that you have to um, spend on other things, on reaching your dreams, for example, but um, also it has a physical impact. You know, even if you didn't do anything on 9-11 to commemorate the day, I can assure you that unconsciously, at least, you were aware of it, and it was having an impact on your body and on your mind. A part of your psyche was uh, distracted on 9-11. So, you know, if we know, another aspect of it is that if we know there are these threats out there and that the threats are growing, the only difference is that the uh, ability for our uh, government to be on top of these threats, the FBI, counterterrorism agencies, and so on. But, um, but um, we, you know, they, the, the ideology of ISIS is ever present in the hearts of the people who they have recruited who want to harm us. So, um, you know, so, so maybe we would live our life differently if we knew that there was this threat and that there were real people um, doing things, carrying out these uh, attacks, plotting these attacks, and so on. Um, you know, um, let me give you an example of that. But, you know, if, if you knew that, um, if you believed, if you heard about these 
attacks that were foiled and things like that, and these numbers, some of which I've been already telling you, um, you might decide to go after your dreams more quickly instead of putting off what it is that you really want to do with your life and just continuing with your nine to five job that you um, really don't like. <laughs> Um, or that you're settling for. Maybe if you felt that you weren't going to live forever, none of us are going to live forever, but maybe if you felt that there was this uh, an, still an ongoing and in fact an increasing threat from terrorism, you would really um, act on things more. And I'm not saying to quit your job. For everybody, it's different. You know, I'm not saying you should quit your job tomorrow. But whatever it is that you have been putting off, a relationship, getting into a, um, a relationship, a loving relationship, finding love, putting that off because it's too risky because you've been hurt before. These are the kinds of things that maybe if the media was honest and told you some of these numbers and told you about the plots that they foiled, and so on, maybe you wouldn't just be um, letting time go by and you'd be going after these things more, uh, more defiantly, more aggressively, more determinedly. Let me, so I'll give you an example. And, and I actually did a podcast on this a while back. Um, but uh, this, was a, this was an example of a... Of, a plot that was foiled and that we didn't hear about for a year later. Now it turns out in this particular case, there was a reason why um, they, they waited or supposedly there was a reason, or now they're saying this is the reason. But um, in 2016, there was a Toronto teenager named Abdul Rahman El Ban Oswey who used an app to contact an ISIS member who went by the screen, screen name Kill Kuffers and Kill Kafars, Kill Kafars. Um, and he, you know, which means infidels. And they chatted back and forth and they made plans to meet in New York City uh, to carry out a Paris or Brussels like terrorist attack. That's how they described it quote, Paris or Brussels like terrorist attack, unquote. And, um, then they recruited a third accomplice in New York, who they also met on this encrypted app, and um, they shipped 40 pounds of hydrogen peroxide uh, to him. And that was to make an explosive, TATP. Now, fortunately, uh, they also talked about research, renting a cabin in the woods to make the bomb. They swapped maps of the New York subway with arrows indicating where the um, explosives should be placed. And, um, and fortunately, the New York accomplice was an undercover FBI agent. So these people were caught. Mr. Banazwi was arrested days after his 18th birthday in a hotel parking lot just before he got to New York. And of course, whenever they arrest people, they seize their cell phones and electronics and they study their chats and their contacts and so on to try to find more people in the network. And then, um, so for more than a year after Banazwi's arrest, they kept his imprisonment secret because they didn't want to tip, to tip off Kill Kuffers. Now, Kill Kuffers was a 19-year-old American living American living in Pakistan, whose real name is 
Talha Harun, and he was eventually arrested. Now, of course, if there is something like that where you are trying to catch another member of the cell or of the group, I don't know if you would call these three people exactly a cell, but um, if there's some kind of a reason like that, yes, of course, that would be a, a good reason to not announce their, their um, foiled plot to the public. But, uh, and they did eventually after a year, but, um, but for most of these cases, it isn't anything like that. It isn't that they're trying to hide it from uh, another terrorist. So, <laughs> so, uh, not only is the, the moral of this story, never forget, never forget the victims, but never forget that 9-11 happened and that there are people, more and more people out there being recruited, whether um, by the internet or in person or whatever means, we should never forget that this, that this threat has um, only increased and that the media should help us, not hide it from us and, and keep us in this state of um, being lulled into complacency, but rather telling us about it. Um, in fact, you know, there's something that can be, we can appreciate all of these foiled plots, but not, not necessarily then going on to think that all the plots are going to be foiled because that's an impossibility. Well, thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your Terrorist Therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your Terrorist Therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, Check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.